Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Dave Kimura. Hey, everyone. Andrew Mason. Good morning. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about stimulus. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. I was going to make all kinds of jokes like, this is going to be really stimulating. And, uh, you know, anyway, <laughs> I'll spare you all, all of the, the horrible things that went through my head. And yeah, let's just talk about stimulus. Now, it's interesting because stimulus is actually a JavaScript library, framework, library, library. I'm going to say library. And this is a Ruby show, but it's, it's built by the folks at Basecamp. Yeah. And it also works really well in Rails. That's not a surprise. I mean, given that Basecamp builds both, right? Yeah, and you know, for me, it's just it's a matter of convenience because let's face it, it's 2019, and there is some demand for rich client-side interactions, and to always do a UJS or a like a remote true on a link or something, that will get you a lot of the way there to have some like real-time feedback and stuff as you do interactions, but it's not perfect. And I think that's where stimulus really fills that gap and almost completely negates the need for something like React or Angular or Vue. It just does so much for you without the weight of a full-fledged JavaScript framework. I, I want to I ask this up front because I know some people are thinking it, and that is, is that Rails included jQuery for a really long time. So why not just use jQuery? Because you're not going to have these same interactions that you do with jQuery as stimulus. I don't really see them as equivalents because if you have jQuery within your library or within your Rails application, for example, if you're using Bootstrap or something, you still have jQuery as a dependency. You can still use, technically use jQuery within stimulus. Right. Yeah, but, and I have to do that as well. You know, for example, uh, last night I was actually working on a new Rails 6 application. So it's using Webpacker. I brought in Stimulus and I needed to give some nice client interactions. So I had a nested form. So you can add in many records. So you can just hit a add, add new feature, add new feature, and it'll bring in things. But then each one of these new feature items has an icon associated with it. And I wanted them to be able to click change icon and then be able to select from a list of over 5,000 icons. So what I ended up doing was creating a stimulus controller, which would, for one, add in the nested forms. So it would add in that add new feature. So that was the first instance that I used stimulus. And that worked very well. You know, I actually covered that on a Drift Ruby episode. So 
you know, I don't just make that those episodes for everybody. I make them for my own reference as well. So I pulled that in and that worked well. But then I had this whole problem of selecting the icon. So within that stimulus controller, I had an embedded another stimulus controller, but two were completely separated to where I could use them isolated or, you know, without one another. But then within this embedded one, it launched a bootstrap model and then you could see the icons that you want to select. But if you've ever tried to load over 5,000 images on a single view, you would quickly realize that even with HTTP2, that's going to take some time to do. So I used Kaminari on the back end for pagination, and I just had a JSON array that would spit back to the stimulus controller that would then load in each one of the images and then built in some pagination with it within stimulus as well. So that was able, and if you want to think of a use case, like you know, displaying hundreds or thousands of icons with a nice pagination, or also making like a photo gallery where you could just you know, navigate through a bunch of pictures, go to the next page or do an infinite scroll down to have it bring in a lot more. And I think in total, it was like 60 lines of JavaScript that was very nicely organized, not obtrusive to my application at all. And it's highly reusable to other areas of the application that I would want to display some kind of JavaScript, client-side, front-end pagination or pulling resources. Gotcha. So it's not as fully featured as, say, an Angular or uh, React with, you know, the way people set these up. So, I mean, how, how far can you get with, with Stimulus? You can get pretty far. I mean, it uses one of, it kind of references one of DHH's uh, common sayings where he, like, sprinkles of JavaScript. Mm-hmm. For React, you can pull things um, in and out of the DOM. And I'm not sure you can totally do that with Stimulus. It, stimulus is more like adding, you know, some nice nice things on top. It's not for, like, React is, like, subbing things in and out of the DOM and doing a lot more stuff like that. But if you don't need to do that, then Stimulus is a good way to go. And you can go pretty far with it. I've seen some pretty cool examples I've done something with it too. And where I see a lot of people use it is with nested forms. Mm-hmm. You so, know, another, so where, are you, where are you using it with nested forms then? I mean, I'm just kind of trying to get my head around the news, use case. And maybe we should back up and talk about how stimulus works and how it's organized. But Yeah, so for the nested forms specifically, there's a wonderful gem out there called Cocoon. But trying to use Cocoon in a modern Rails application could be difficult, especially in Rails 6, where they have removed the JavaScript asset pipeline out of Sprockets and into Webpack. So you're not able to do that, require Cocoon in the JavaScript assets anymore very easily. There's some workarounds to that, but not very easily. So one way to not only reduce a gem dependency of Cocoon, but... Also, to get around that whole assets issue is to write a stimulus controller that does the nested attributes. And essentially, you could have a template within your view that stimulus will reference off of because it's an existing element on the page. And you're going to be able to then insert in new records whenever you click like add a new record or you know whatever your nested forms are. 
and it's just going to work. And each time you create a new record, if you have any other kind of interactions or if that new partial or form object has a stimulus controller within it, it automatically gets initialized as well. So you don't have to do anything special like on a um, content load or on insert or anything like that. It's just going to automatically get picked up. Interesting. So you keep using the term controller. So is this MVC or is it uh, MV something or I don't know? So controller, I think, might not be the correct terminology for the stimulus controller. I think component would be more accurate where you have a sense where you have an entry point, you can define different targets, you can define different actions that go on within this component or controller, and then you can interact with the client side. Right. Yeah, and one thing about, I mean, controllers is what stimulus calls them, but basically the way they work is, let's say I have a, a div, and inside the, it's like a container of some sort, and inside this div I want to do some stuff with stimulus, you add um, an attribute to your HTML that's called data controller equals, and then you pass it the name of your stimulus controller. So, I mean, just looking at the docs here, their example is a copy to clipboard button. So mm-hmm. they have a, a div, and inside the div has an input and a button. And on the div, they add data controller equals clipboard so that stimulus knows that whatever's going on inside this div has some stimulus interaction and it knows what what file to use to get those actions, which in this case would be the clipboard controller. And then another thing, two other things that um, stimulus has, which are, there's only really three main things that stimulus has that you can basically use to do everything. And the other two things are targets and actions. And a target would be something like that input where you say, okay, data target equals clipboard dot, and I think you give it a name like source or source target. And then like if we want to implement this example where you have, you can copy whatever's in the input using the button, you had a action on the button that's like data action equals clipboard hash copy. So that tells stimulus that to use the copy, it's like a function in that JavaScript controller, the copy um, function, and it could say something like this.sourceTarget.select and then use um, just plain JavaScript to copy it to your clipboard. Interesting. And another really neat use case that I did within Stimulus is creating a real-time client updates from background jobs. So I had a background job, Sidekick Running, and it was executing a long-running task that Mm -hmm. had several iterations. So think of it like importing in an Excel file, and that Excel file maybe has 10,000 rows. And instead of just putting a spinner on the client side, instead, I use Stimulus to launch a model, use Action Cable to get events sent from the background job processor, back to the client side through the WebSocket, and then Stimulus would take in those interactions or those messages and then update a progress bar so you could actually see how far along you've come with this employee importer, user importer, something like that. So it's interesting that you're, you're talking about some of this back and forth between the server using something like Action Cable. One thing that I've run into, and, and it's 
becoming more of a big deal in some of the other JavaScript shows that we do is talking about state management. And so, you know, you have a system on the front end like React or Angular or Vue that keep track of a data store on the front end and then they go through different processes to make sure that it's up to date and then update the page accordingly and things like that. Is there really a concept of doing something similar with Stimulus where I may need to go make an end run to the server and update something you know, asynchronously and figure out how to make all of that work so that everything gets updated properly, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah, Stimulus does have a state management where you're able to assign or keep a set of values stored in the client side and then use them as you need. Oh, interesting. So even though it's a micro framework, I think that they've taken all the critical parts of the other JavaScript frameworks out there, like Angular and React and Vue, and then rolled it into one small, very maintainable package. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, and one thing I want to highlight is that the amount of code you have to write to implement a feature with Stimulus, let's say, just say in a Rails app, is very, very small compared what you would have to do if you wanted to add in React or something. Like I personally experienced this because I had an app, they wanted to have this functionality. I knew that doing it in plain JavaScript wasn't going to work well, and I wanted to pull in some type of framework. I pulled in React. A couple more than like a thousand lines later, the feature still didn't work, and I was up to my eyeballs in frustration trying to figure out how to make all this React code work. And it just, you have to like re-implement your UI almost sometimes in React, depending Mm -hmm. on how you're going to do it. And you don't need to do that with Stimulus. So I deleted all the React code, pulled in Stimulus, and yeah, like 50 lines, maybe less of JavaScript later, it was done. The feature worked exactly the way they wanted it to. Yeah, it's interesting that you you bring that up just from the standpoint of, it reminds me of a quote David Brady always used to say when I worked with him and when he was on Ruby Rugs, what the system does for you, it does to you. And so you've got systems like Angular and React in particular that they they kind of take over whatever they're running and they do a lot they, they do a lot for you. But if you don't need to keep track of all of that stuff, if you don't need kind of the the heavy uh, solution that they offer, then yeah, it sounds like Stimulus is a really good option because it, it's not that it's a better solution all the way around for everything, but for the examples or the the cases where you're actually dealing with something that's a little bit smaller and a little bit more simple, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it sounds like it's a much better fit because you don't have to keep track of all of the other things that it's doing for you because it's pretty bare bones as far as what it actually you know puts in front of you. Hey folks, I want to tell you about a great system that I just found that has made my life a ton easier. That's Cloud66. A lot of folks think that deploying is a pain. I kind of grew up as an ops guy, and so I never really felt that way until I tried Cloud66 and realized that the way that I was doing it with Capistrano, pushing stuff up to DigitalOcean, it really was kind of a pain. And when things didn't work, I had to go in and I had to bang my head against the wall to figure it out. Plus, all the setup stuff was just a big headache. And what I found with Cloud66 is that it's a really nice way just to get everything set up. I just told it I had a Rails app, and off it went. It set it all up, it does the deployment, and... Now that I have other developers working with me on PodWrench, which is what I'm using it for here, 
all I have to do is give them access and then they can go push the button for me and it gets deployed. It's really nice. It's straightforward. It has all of my environment variables in it. So I didn't have to do any setup that way either. I just had to go in, put in my AWS credentials and a few other things that I was using for third-party apps and it set it up and ran it. So if you're looking for a great solution for deployments, use the promo code RubyRogues. That's all one word, capital R, capital R, Ruby Rogues for $66 off Cloud66. This only works for new users, but man, it is awesome. So go check them out, cloud66.com. And I think another point on top of that is also that frameworks like React weren't created for Rails. You know, some people in the Rails community adopted React and started using it. You know, it was used and built by Facebook. And it solved a problem that they were having because their language or their framework just wasn't the right fit for the real-time client interactions. So I was talking to some of the developers at my local church and they're a .NET shop. So I always like talking to people from other languages because they have a different viewpoint on things that I might not be privy to because I'm so focused on the Ruby world. Well, for them, bringing in React into their ecosystem was a huge change for the better because their tools that they were using, their framework that they were using, just wasn't able to easily provide the rich client-side interactions that they are looking for. So bringing in something like React solved a major problem that they were having. Even before Stimulus came around, I don't think Rails really had that big of a problem with it, especially with uh, Rails UJS being able to render back a JavaScript file that you're going to execute on the client side. You could get away with so much just by doing that. Mm -hmm. But then with Stimulus getting added in, then you have the rest of those little gaps filled in. And so I don't think that Rails needs something like React or Angular or Vue because between Turbolinks and Stimulus, Rails UJS and Action View, you have everything that you need to provide a very rich client-side experience and also all the things on the back end that you can leverage to you know, make wonderful applications. Right. I have some people I want you to talk to about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are they very pro-React or pro-Angular, pro-Vue? Pro-React. I don't know why I have... Everyone likes React. I really like Vue, but a lot of people I know really like React. And I find it to be really good in some ways, but not when you're using it in Rails. I have experienced nothing but pain with using it in Rails. And it just... Everyone does it completely differently, and it's just such a pain. Like, if you're going to use React with a Rails app, just use the Rails API and write your, your front end in React. Sprinkling React into a Rails application is kind of painful, in my opinion. And there's no one set standard to do it either. If you try to find the best way or best practices for pulling in React, you're going to find people who say, oh, you have to use Webpacker. There's others that says you have to use the Gem React Rails. And so you're going to find so many different or you know, completely separate the two, like you're saying, with the API-only application. I mean, those are three very different architectural and infrastructural ways of approaching the problem. 
And I think that's really bad for the React Rails community because without a set standard, you're going to have people going down all different kinds of rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. You forgot React on Rails, which is another way to do it, which is pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. we've talked to Justin on the show before about it. But yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating to me how... I mean, web development, you know, for better or worse, has changed. And so, you know, realistically, we are living in a world now where, you know, we have to deal with some of these things. And a lot of people are going to want those rich application experiences. And... So, I mean, what, you know, what, what do you do? So, you know, I think that there is justification for some of these. You know, like if I were ever to use Photoshop within the browser, I would definitely want that to be a SPA. I wouldn't want the entire screen yeah. to refresh whenever I make a change. And I think Gmail is another great example of an SPA application where you want that real time feedback, real time interactions of things. Yeah. But, your company's internet website or your website to promote your business or whatever doesn't need to be React. I'll say that for a lot of the other like content sites, which is generally what your company's uh, website's going to be, I've been opting for the static site generators. I've been using 11DJS for that. You can also use something like Jekyll. But uh, yeah, I mean... A lot of this stuff is just overkill. You don't need it to be super uh, heavy or dynamic or anything like that. Yeah, I really like Gatsby for that. Yes, yeah, it kind of goes to react. <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes back to the point though, where those types of tools are built to work for React and for JavaScript. And fitting React into a Rails application is it wasn't meant for that. Whereas Stimulus very much is built for your Rails app. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So to get started, I mean, do you just include a stimulus tag or do you still do Webpacker with it? Or what? what's the story there? I personally use Webpacker. I think you should be using Webpacker if you're on an up-to-date version of Rails. I think there's other ways to do it, but you're definitely going to have more success and it's going to be a way easier migration if you just use Webpacker to do it. And Webpacker yeah. has a built-in command to install stimulus and it sets it all up for you. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I agree. And a recent version of Stimulus now allows for namespace controllers, which is super, super awesome for me because I really enjoy namespacing things to keep things kind of in their own separate place. I think it makes developing on a monolith so much easier and more maintainable in the long run. Right. Yeah. And if you don't want to use Webpacker, you can include Stimulus as a like a script tag, I'm pretty sure, like you would with a normal HTML site. So you just run it off of a CDN or something somewhere? Yep, exactly. But if you use it with a package.json and the Webpacker or whatever your build system of choice is, you're going to get the benefits of some Babel, some Babel plugins that help, and it just is a lot cleaner, in my opinion, at least. Yep, makes sense. Is there anything I should have asked? <laughs> I mean, how are you guys testing stimulus? What's what's testing? What's a, yeah, I was, I'm not sure this term. Yeah, that's a four-letter word with ing on the end, isn't it? <laughs> no, on client-side interaction things, I'll use Capybara. Right. Yeah, and I guess you could pull in a JavaScript testing framework if you needed to. But yeah, if you're going to, I would say the 
best way to test it would be with uh, capybara. Yeah, well, and for for those kinds of end-to-end tests, I'm also digging Cypress these days. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cypress is pretty cool. I enjoy using that whenever I have to. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing you brought up earlier was whether you could have interaction with the server using Simulus, which you definitely can. You can use Promises, you can use Ajax, you know, whatever your preferred way of sending data using JavaScript to your Rails controllers. And you can do that. You can do it asynchronously in the background. And it works really well. And I've had some really good success doing that in the past. Yeah. And my favorite way to do it is to import in the Rails UJS library into my React my stimulus controller. And then I can simply just do a rails.ajax and then it interacts much like it did with the uh, jQuery.ajax. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, this is definitely something that's on my radar that I want to try out. So, Yep. I have a bunch of Drift and Ruby episodes on it. Just saying. And they are cool. pretty good. John Beatty has a blog and he blogs a lot about stimulus. And it's kind of funny because... I was at RailsConf and I had been reading a lot of his articles on it because I was trying to implement this feature with Stimulus and I had never used it before, but wanted to because I thought it would be a good fit where React was not. And I actually sat down beside John at one of the keynotes and I looked over at his name tag and I was like, wait, are you the same guy that's writing all these blog posts that are basically saving my life right now? (laughs) So I definitely recommend that. We can put that in the show notes. Nice. Yeah, let's get links to both the Drifting Ruby episodes and those videos. Cool. And that's really it for stimulus. It's just that simple. If this were a React talk, we would still be talking like into next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that, that that's a really good point. It really does highlight like there's not a lot to it. It just works really well. And it works for a lot of use cases you have. And at RailsConf this year, um, Noel Rappin gave a workshop on using Stimulus. I believe they put the workshops on YouTube this year for RailsConf. So I'd also suggest checking that out because it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Noel always does a good job with his stuff. And the overall usage of Stimulus is very much following the Rails philosophy of, you know, keep it unobtrusive and keep it simple. You know, don't pollute your entire application with something. So if you ever found that stimulus just was not the right fit for your application, to extract it out and then to rewrite it in something else would not be a major overhaul like it would be with React or something. Oh, that's good to know too. Yeah, I mean, the code's pretty clean too. So yeah, it's, it's very easy to rip out. It's very easy to put back in. Um, it's very easy to only use it in some areas of your application, not in others. Yeah, it's it's really a joy to work with, which I think kind of is a testament to all the great work that's coming out of Basecamp because just like Rails is enjoyable to use and Ruby is awesome to use, the stimulus is good to use. It's fun and it's not banging your head against the wall all day, I feel like. Cool. As a Ruby developer, you've probably used Redis for queuing and caching. But if you're like me, you've never completely understood it. You just followed the tutorial to set it up and then hoped it'd stay up. Now that I'm building my own services for other people, I realize that you and I often don't have the desire or time to run an ops or DevOps team or do it yourself. Plus, since you're not a Redis expert, you're not exactly sure how to know what it's doing. 
That's why I love Reddit Screen. No setup. It runs on any AWS region I want, so I can run it near me. And the tooling is amazing. I have to tell you about this feature, actually. It actually maps the memory you're using and tells you where all the memory is allocated. So this makes it really easy to see what's going on in your Redis setup. It also runs on AWS, so it scales easily and can alert you when it hits certain thresholds in performance or capacity. Sorry for going all fanboy on you, but I love this tool. Here's the thing. If you don't want to do ops or are already on Heroku or something, then use Redis Green for the rest. It's simple yet powerful. Check them out at redisgreen.net. Should we do picks then? Do it. All right. Dave, do you want to start us off with picks? Yeah, sure. So I have one pick, and it is the launch of the Raspberry Pi uh, 4B. So they just launched a new version that comes with up to 4 gigs of RAM and dual 4K monitor support. So it has dual uh, micro or mini HDMIs. So, I mean, this thing is, you know, considerably a desktop replacement for $55 for a super low-end machine. I mean, you're not going to be able to, you know, go to the moon with it, but it's, you know, for what it is, it's really awesome. Nice. Yeah, that that sounds awesome, to be honest. So, Andrew, what are your picks? So, I have lived at the beach for six years, probably going on at this point. And the past few weeks, I've learned how to surf. So it's been a ton of fun, and I can't believe I've never done it before considering I'm this close to the water. Um, but yeah, I'd say if you live near the beach, give surfing a try because it's a ton of fun, and it's a great way to you know get some time outside, pick up a new hobby. Me and my buddies go at 5.30 in the morning, so it's an awesome way to wake up, just get straight in the water for a few hours before heading to work. So yeah, my pick is surfing. Or nice. a great way to drown. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> if you drowned, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's part of the, the lesson plan. Cool. That's one of those things that I've always kind of wanted to learn how to do, but I live in the mountains and I don't know how often I'd actually be able to do it. Yeah, snowboarding's um, the same. <laughs> snowboarding is the mountain version of surfing. There you go. It's just that the wave isn't moving and is a lot bigger. If there's um, an avalanche, it might be very related. To oh, there you go. Yeah. I've heard some horror stories about people being in the backcountry and yeah, they had an avalanche. Anyway, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. So one thing that I've really been enjoying lately is the Women's World Cup. I'm a huge soccer fan. And uh, yeah, interestingly enough, so the teams that I normally root for in any World Cup, no matter how good they are, are obviously the US, Italy, because I lived in Italy for a few years, England for some reason that I can't really explain. I just like them. And uh I usually also root for the host country, which this year is France. So anyway, turns out that all four of those teams are pretty good this year. So it's been really fun to watch. I think I've watched one of those teams lose a match. But yeah, it's, it's been pretty great. So I'm really enjoying that. I also uh, have been watching that on Fox Sports. So I just got a subscription because we cut the cable a while back. So I just got a subscription to that so I can watch them. And what's nice is you can go watch the replays and they actually have a spoiler-free mode so it doesn't tell you the, the game outcome on the game. Otherwise, it'll tell you who won, what the score was. And I'm just like, I just I don't want to know until I watch it. And so that's been nice because I've been super busy falling off roofs and things like that. You know, So I'm behind. I'm about a week behind on the matches. And there's a little bit of spoiler in there because it's like, okay, this is from the round of 16 and these are the teams that played. But I still don't know the outcomes from the games. And so I'm enjoying that. 
And in fact, today my plan is I've got a few calls, but other than those calls, I'm really planning on um, just watching World Cup and reaching out to sponsors. My I, my goal reaching out to sponsors is actually to to reach out to like a hundred this week. I think I've got like twenty, so I need to get my uh, my stuff in gear tomorrow. I have a lot more time for it though, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, really enjoying that, and then. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping to get back into running here after my arm heals up. But yeah, those are my picks. I sh- I think I mentioned falling off the roof. I probably have to explain that. I was on a ladder. The ladder was on some unstable stuff. It slid out from under me and I landed on my side. I didn't break any bones as far as they can tell. There was enough swelling in my arm to where the x-ray didn't work. So I have to go back on Friday for that. But yeah, if I freaked anyone out, I'm fine. <laughs> I just I feel a little dumb about it. And I think it makes a, a good story. So anyway... um, yeah, those are my picks. So we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thanks for talking about this. Sounds like you both have been uh, enjoying stimulus. And yeah, hopefully a few other folks will find it a good solution to what they're working on. Yep. Bye, y'all. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more. <laughs>